So here we are. Um, we are beginning. Um, we are in a series of beginnings, of new beginnings. Um, and Cheryl started us off uh, last time we had a Beacon Sunday um, uh, in Genesis, um, Genesis 1, thinking about what story are we living in. Uh, and we saw that there is one creator God, not many, that creation was deliberate and orderly, not the result of chaos and power struggles between the gods and that humans are special. Um, we've got a headline for today. Could we say it together? We're made to be together. That's our headline for today. I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm very booming and echoing, which is, is, is fun. Okay, so everyone, I'm gonna come over here. I'm gonna come over here. Hello, everyone over here. Hello, hello over here. So as I said earlier, I'm gonna tell a story. Hi, everyone. Hi, everyone, hello. Hi, I'm going to tell a story. I'm going to tell a story. It is a story of love. And the pictures are going to come up on that screen there. So if you want to watch the story and listen, you can see it coming up here. Okay, here we go. Right. There was a time when God had not only made creation, but he had also planted a garden. He'd carved out a space that wasn't too big and wasn't too small, just right size place where his creation, Adam, could be and discover and eat and drink and sleep and find purpose. He made the human, Adam, from Adama, the soil, the earth. Like the rest of created life, Adam is formed from the ground up, brought to life by the very breath of God, breathed in to him intimately. The creatures have this too. I learned this as I was reading my Bible. You'd think I would have noticed. But Genesis 1, Genesis 6 and Genesis 7, the creatures have this breath of life animated by God. So humans too are creatures of their creator, but they have a unique relationship. They're made as image bearers of God. We're of the earth and yet also God-like. We've got our next picture coming up. There are many trees in this garden that are pleasing to the eye and good for food. Have you seen any, has anyone seen any trees or plants around the beacon that are good for food? What have you seen? Pears and apples. Wow, what have you seen, Arthur? Tomatoes. I saw ears of corn that look good. What did you see? You're going to say corn? No, <laughs> you're scratching your head. Corn as well, yeah. And there's that beautiful mural. Um, and it says that they were pleasing to the eye and good for food. So God made a creation that was beautiful, not just functional, because that's the kind of God he is. He made two, two special trees. A tree on this side of life. And a tree on the other side of knowing good and bad. God wanted people to eat from this tree, the tree of life, 
to receive all the gifts he had for people in relationship with him. Adam receives his very life and breath from God. God knows what will help or hurt him and wants good for him. God says no to eating from the tree of knowing good and evil, not because he doesn't want people to have knowledge, but because God wants them to learn through knowing and walking with the one who made it all. God warns Adam, if you eat from that tree, you will die. Not because I will kill you, but because you'll be cutting yourself off from your very source of life. So this creation was good. What was it? Good. And it was good. It was what? Good. In fact, it was very good. We hear good, 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 very good. But wait. Today we have something that was not good. What was it? It was not good for Adam to be alone. And so God made us a whole parade of animals come by. Here they come, one by one. They come by and by and by. They keep coming. And the job is naming them. Wow, the variety, the wonder. This is amazing. But they keep coming and they keep coming. And if the purpose was finding Adam a partner companion, it was not going well. Nope. Cow's not right. Nope, not an ant. Not this giraffe. Nope, not another kind of ant. Uh, no, not another kind of ant. I imagine there were lots of ants. Um, what's happening? Adam is discovering that in all the wonder, in all the variety of creation, there is nothing in creation that can be a suitable helper for him. And this is a surprising thought. The rest of creation is not enough. Even creator God is not enough for Adam. It is not good for Adam to be the lone instance of his kind. For humanity to fulfill God's intention to rule and cultivate and develop the earth, he can't do that alone. God isn't all he needs. God made people to be creatures that want and need other things too. Food, oxygen, water, sleep, community and purpose. God is the source from whom all blessings flow and he knows what we need. And it's not just to be me and God. So Adam goes into sleep. Can we have some imaginary sleep noises? <laughs> I don't think I'd want to be next to some of you when you were sleeping. I think I'd stay awake all night. Okay, no, very good though. Um, so Adam goes down into sleep and from his side comes the stuff that makes Eve and we have man and woman. I thought it was amazing. Other Christians have noticed this long before, uh, long before me. But did you ever think that Jesus goes down into death his side was pierced, and out from the stuff that flows is born the church, the bride of Christ. And the longing and waiting in Adam comes out in poetry at last. Bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. Or as Kezi said yesterday, uh, we have Adam 
and madam. <laughs> um, so they became true companions, community, family, and they knew oneness and togetherness with no shame and no hiding. And so I'm going to give you a spoiler alert um, for next time with Chris. Does it stay this way? Uh, I mean, it's not... It's like we don't live in the same world as Genesis 2, right? It does not feel like that world. What I want to talk about is the gifts that God gives and then things that happen to them. So do you remember at the beginning of Genesis 2, we heard God gives a day of Sabbath. Oh, I've forgotten something. People have listened really well to the story. If in this next part you want to... You need to move around, you want to do something, you like to be drawing. There's paper at the front here and paper over there. And you might want to um, add or draw or write some of the kinds of togetherness that we're going to talk about today. What kinds of togetherness do we have as, as people? Um, and we'll see some. So, Genesis 2, God gives the gift of a day of Sabbath. That means rest. We're made to be together with God in rest, in creation. We take this gift, and in the world that we live in now, we often do one of two things. We might reject it, or we kind of twist it, twist it out of shape. So people might reject God's invitation to Sabbath rest, and we strive ourselves into burnout. Or we twist it and we make it about what you cannot do on the Sabbath. Um, and it becomes totally disconnected from, from God. Remember, Jesus was challenged about whether he should even be healing someone on the Sabbath. And many of you might have examples of things you were told you could or couldn't do. Another gift. God made our bodies. Us. But we kind of get disconnected or kind of split up. So some think we're kind of soul and body. Bodies are kind of yucky. And the goal is to kind of escape, uh, the escape of our soul into heaven. But we learn from the Bible that the future is not that we go to be souls in heaven, but the resurrection of Jesus's body is our promise of renewed bodies in a renewed earth. Think in that connection between earth and earth and bodies. So we don't always feel this sense of togetherness that we see in Genesis 2 with our own bodies, our own selves. Whether through disability or illness or changing bodies, we can feel betrayed or that we don't like our bodies. They don't match who we feel we are. We can feel shame. Our bodies, as, as matter, as from the earth, are quite sculptable. Um, and medical technology can allow us to do some wonderful things and also some worrying things. And we can try and remake ourselves in our own idea of who we want to be. Another gift. God made them male and female and gave them marriage and creation. There was an intention of companionship, of co-laboring in God's purpose. But um, like with all these things, um, without the environment and experience of the life of God, um, these things that are intended as gifts can crush us um, when we try to go our own way or when others around us try to go their own way. 
I know that for myself. Uh, when I was at a boys' school, I felt like I didn't really fit some of the stereotypes. Um, I, I wasn't sporty. I played the flute. Um, and I went and um, people talked about the Bible and said how Genesis and other bits in the Bible provided a kind of pattern for distinct roles of men and women. Um, and I'm not so sure um, exactly about that now because I found life as I read the scriptures in seeing that God doesn't present a tick list in Genesis of this is how men should be, this is how women should be, but examples through the Bible of all kinds of men, all kinds of women, and some people who don't quite fit either category, who yes, make mistakes, but who love God and serve God. We also know that there are things that are not right in how people relate to each other across gender. For example, like misuses of power. Um, uh, so, for example, you know, I'm thinking about some of the things to do with, um, uh, you know, you might have heard about Andrew Tate or kind of Me Too in churches. Um, and I'm following many others in saying um, that the phrase suitable helper that we get in Genesis um, isn't here about a subservient lesser role, as if it's kind of Adam's job and Eve kind of comes along to help out a bit. And the other times the word helper is used in the Old Testament, it's either of a more powerful nation that's called on as a helper of the people of God or of God himself. This is no kind of lesser thought or afterthought, lesser help or afterthought. Eve is central to the whole project, and Adam needs to know that God's calling to him is bigger than he can do on his own. He's a finite being. I think also the gift of marriage um, can crush us too. And at Iska, I don't think we talk about marriage too often, because I think we have a real heart to be inclusive and to meet people where we are, wherever, whatever our life circumstance is. So people might be single by circumstance or by choice, people living together or married or separated or divorced or remarried or bereaved or solo parenting. And I don't mean to go through that quickly in any kind of like um, minimizing way. We have all different experiences among us. And I wonder if kind of not talking about it means that we don't always talk about what's both wonderful and painful about all of our life circumstances. So God's intention for couples is faithful, secure, committed companion relationships. Please pray for people's marriages. I know I've been so blessed by many people's marriages. We should also kind of note that marriage is a temporary experience, even the longest and sweetest of them. The Old and New Testament also um, challenge when marriage is made an idol. This is the kind of the twisting part. There's an elevation in the, 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 the whole of scriptures, really, of the place and status of singleness. We know that we have a God who sets the lonely in families. And to the childless that God says, I will provide you a name and a memorial that endures forever. So please pray for people who are single. And again, I know I've been blessed by so many people in their singleness. Finally, God gives himself to all who feel like relationships are broken beyond repair. Let's pray for people in every circumstance so that community and companionship, not least in the church, that can so easily end up hurting us, 
can be the gift that it was intended to be. So my conclusion then is not a finger-wagging kind of do more togetherness. That's going to crush you. God doesn't want any of us to be crushed. (laughs) Thank God. (laughs) Um, But these things, these gifts can do that. It's only in Christ that we have any hope of finding the way, the true and the life of God in these gifts. We're called to the togetherness of Sabbath rest with God, creation and each other. We're called to make peace with our bodies, even in the face of present unease and illness, because we have a hope of renewed bodies in a renewed earth. We're called to secure identity in our gender and equality in our interactions across gender. We're called into community and out of loneliness and into companionship that for some includes marriage. So I'd like us just to take um, some of our remaining minutes um, just to spend some time praying together. Um, Children, if you're up for this, You could go with a grown-up, with one of your grown-ups, and find some people to go pray with. And if you feel comfortable, like we were earlier, please join those around you. And if you don't want to, you can just say, no thanks, with no judgment. Could we pray with one another as part of our response today, that we would know more of this fullness of life, of togetherness, and that instead of it crushing us, we come to God and know that life and fullness in him?